deadly influences. Through people, through videos, through movies, anything of social media. And there are toxins that we live with that are harmful to our physical body. We remember that a couple of weeks ago I shared with you about the plane that came from Japan that there were some people on that plane who were near the nuclear reactor in Japan when it erupted and they were able to receive radiation and when they got on the plane they also infected everybody on the plane with radiation. Nobody knew about it until it actually landed here in the United States and when it landed they were able to detect radioactive toxins. Not everybody was directly exposed to the radiation, but they became exposed through someone else. How do we deal with influences? We have to remember what God's word says. First of all, in your notes, it says Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. God says he has a plan for you. He has a plan for each and every one of us. And I want to let you know something, that the enemy, you know what his job is? His job is to divert you from that plan. God has a whole plan, and the enemy always wants to get you out from fulfilling that plan. He will do whatever and use whatever he has to to keep you from hitting the target. All he wants to do is put a little bit of poison, a little bit of toxin in our lives so that once it's in our bloodstream, it will do the damage. But the Bible says that Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. What's sad is that there's so many Christians who will never know what it is to live life abundantly because there's a little bit of poison inside of us that distorts our vision, distorts our eyesight, distorts our, 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 our hearing, and it also distorts our conviction. When there is a little bit of poison in our lives, we don't live normal. Things are messed up because our lives are damaged, they're impaired. Our ministry works with those who have had difficult and complex Past. We deal with the perpetrators as well as the victims. When we first moved out here to the Bay Area, the Lord had put a burden in my heart, and this was 30 years ago. He put a tremendous burden on my heart for the prostitutes. And I think Gloria was a part of that original group. The word Twilight Treasure hadn't even been developed yet. And I think uh, your mom used to go with me, Mary. She would go out with me to the, to the streets. And every Friday night, we would leave and go about 11 o'clock to the streets of Oakland. And we would go and we would minister to them. And I remember I was pregnant, and then I was nursing, and then I was pregnant again, but I was out there because the prostitutes had really gripped my heart. God had put a burden in there. And I learned a lot about them. I learned how many young girls would be taken by a man who would lure them into believing promises of a better life. 
sometimes by men that they knew and that they trusted. They might even have legitimate travel agencies. They might have modeling agencies and employment offices in order to gain their trust. They would buy them clothes and take them out to restaurants, giving them constant affirmation. Then when they would get their trust, they would demand repayment for everything that had been given to them. And when they couldn't pay, they would put them out on the street and take all their money, all the while convincing them that they loved them. As ugly as that lifestyle is, and we all agree that prostitution is an ugly, ugly lifestyle, but as ugly as it is, that is exactly what the enemy does to us. He lures us with the internet, lures us with alcohol, lures us with money, cars, houses, lures us with promises. This is a better life. This is a good life. This is, you'll, you'll enjoy it. And when he gots you, he demands repayment. Repayment means that he will strip you of your character. He will strip you of your values. He will make you do things and say things that you would never do if you were in your right mind. Once the poison is in our bloodstream, all he has to do is dangle it in front of us, and then we go for it, hook, line, and sinker. And this is how we find our lives destroyed. So how do we learn to make good choices? In your notes, Proverbs 25, 26 says, If the godly give in to the wicked, it's like polluting a fountain or muddying a spring. If the godly give in to the wicked, if we give in to whatever the enemy wants to do in our lives, then it's like a fountain that is so pure and we're polluting it, or muddying a spring. Influence is what we see, what we hear, and what we view through multimedia, through Facebook, through Twitter, through movies, through videos, through magazines, through games, video games, through music, through TV shows. When we are watching something, just think about this, when you're watching something, how many times has the Holy Spirit convicted us and said, you shouldn't be watching this? You need to turn this off. Then we begin the battle. The war begins. I, you know what? I can handle this. I'm, I'm good. I used to watch worse things before. And we start going back and forth in our mind. The war begins to go back and forth. Should I or shouldn't I? I can do this. I'm strong enough. No, you're not. Yes, I am. And you're, you're, you're battling all the whole while. Most of our young people... And some of you here, don't raise your hand, have seen the movie The Hangover. This movie was filmed on a budget of $35 million. It became the 10th highest grossing film of 2009 with a worldwide gross of $467 million. It was only made with 35. The film won the Golden Globe picture of the year for the best musical or comedy. Now the dialogue in this movie uses the four-letter word 91 times, which is a four-letter curse word every minute of the movie. 
It uses the 41 S words, nine slang words for the male anatomy, 31 different versions of using God's name in vain, and that's not counting the references of the female body or nudity that were shown in that movie. But if you ask someone who watched that movie, they will say, but it was funny. It was hilarious. I was cracking up through the whole thing. And I don't remember hearing all those curse words. I don't even remember hearing or seeing nude, nudity. But if you don't remember that, then you need to be careful. You need to watch out because you might have some poison in your system that has desensitized you. You don't even know it. What if I used a curse word in preaching this morning? What if I were to come out and bleep? Now, I didn't even curse in the world, so it would be really uncommon for me to, to curse because my dad, he, he just like put this thing in my head that if I used a curse word, I lost the battle. And I am so competitive, I never wanted to lose. <laughs> never. So it was like, whenever I wanted to, I was like, man, I'm not going to lose. I am not going to lose. And so I never cursed. Maybe in my head, <laughs> but not out of my mouth. But you might say, you know what? I can't believe she said that. I cannot believe that she cursed behind the pulpit. I'm not going to come to this church anymore to hear a curse word. I'm not going to do that. Well, if you won't come to church and hear a curse word, why in the world would you pay to hear it? You pay money to hear it. Good money. How about using God's name in vain? How can you handle someone using your Savior's name in vain? Now, I have a relative. I have a lot of relatives, but this one relative, he used to use my Savior's name in vain all the time. And oh, my gosh, it would just oh, get to me until finally I said, you know what? You need to stop. And he was like, stop what? I said, you need to stop using my Savior's name in vain. Why don't you use your own name? Why don't you use your kid's name? Say anybody else's name, but don't say my Savior's name. And he was like, what? I go, yeah, use your own name. Get mad enough, use your own name. Curse with your own name. And he goes, but it's not the same. I go, exactly. It's not the same. You need to know what you're doing. It was a bad habit, and he stopped. At least around me, he stopped. See, we get desensitized to violence. We get desensitized to profanity, to vulgarity, to poverty. Anything that we see continuously no longer impacts us the same way. Toxic messages in media are trying to influence us all the time. We get so desensitized that we're either living at one extreme or the other. See, I was raised in Catholic school 12 years of Catholic school. And I was raised wearing a uniform every day of my life. And we had pretty strict standards. And I don't know how it is now, but back then, all the stories that you hear about nuns, all true. I, I got stories. 
we had strict standards and strict boundaries. And when I remember I came to church, there was a, a standard and a strong influence that was there. And it wasn't different. It was almost like the way that I was raised in school. So it wasn't hard for me. Many of those who came to Christ in those early years at Victory Outreach, they had come from loose or very low morals. So they went from one extreme of low cut, high dress, midriff, all of that, and then they went to the other extreme, high neck, long dresses, long sleeves. I mean, it was just an extreme. And that's the era that I came into church 39 years ago. We wore little makeup. We had small earrings because we were holy. I mean, we were holy. We didn't go to the show. Are you kidding? We didn't listen to worldly music. We didn't watch R-rated movies on TV or anywhere else. We didn't, and we couldn't, and we didn't. And I remember coming in, and I was young, and there was a lot of people, man, we can't do this, we can't, what can we do? That's what all the young people wanted to know, what can we do? Because everything back then was don't do this and don't do that. I remember the first time I went to the show with my husband, and I, I'm serious. I was watching, is anybody going to see me? You know what we went to go see? Jaws. <laughs> but I was so afraid that somebody was going to see me watching Jaws. Because at that time, it was looked at as a sin. The motto was, if it makes you grin, it must be sin. Now, it's funny now, but, you know, those restrictions kind of, they kept me safe. I stayed within those boundaries. And others who made fun of those boundary lines, they're not here anymore. And I, this, me this message is not to tell you what you can do and what you can't do. This is not a list of what you can see and what you can't see. This is a godly message to give you guidelines. And then you do whatever you want with them. I'm only here to give you the word of God. And then you do with whatever you want with it. How are we supposed to judge the influences that come into our life? How do we know when Satan wants to inject toxic poison into our life? Well, there's three things that I want you to remember. The first one, the first point, says right there, a little bit of poison goes a long way. When you read the book of Corinthians, you'll see that Paul talks about yeast. And anytime yeast is used in the Bible, it's always used to be symbolic for sin. Now, I don't know if you have watched the movie The Help yet. But I will tell you this, there is something in there that it, we need to be able to understand. Because there's going to be a lot of times when you're going to go to the movies, you're going to look at a magazine, you're going to watch a TV program. And sometimes we might get a little poison without even realizing that we got the poison. And right now, I'm going to show you a portion of the movie because uh, it illustrates a point. And there's going to be a little bleep in there. 
Not because it is a profane word, but because it's not appropriate. So, I want you all to look at the screen. What if people find out what we write and figure out Niceville Willie Jackson, figure out who, who? Maybe we need us some insurance. I told God I'd never speak of it again. We ain't got no choice. Sorry. I need to tell y'all about the terrible, awful lie done to Miss Hilly. It might be the only thing to keep us safe. take you back. I'll have to cut your pay five dollars a week. Take me back? What do you put in here that makes it taste so good? That good vanilla from Mexico and something else real special. Mm. No, 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 Miss Walters. That's Miss Hilly's special pie. Mom can have a piece. She told her former boss, eat my poo. She had put poo in the double chocolate pie. It was camouflaged by sweet ingredients. She ate two pieces. And if you notice, she said, what do you put in this pie that makes it taste so good? <laughs> she had ingested poison. She had ingested toxin. And she didn't even know it. 
just a little bit of poo. Just a little bit. See, that's exactly how the enemy gets us. He mixes up toxin with sweet stuff, good stuff, good-looking stuff, tall, dark, handsome. Mixes up a little bit of toxin with something that looks good. But it ain't good. It's toxic. Just a little bit of poo. Parents, some of you have different guidelines for yourselves and for your children. Whenever you're going to watch something on TV, you send your kids out of the room. Go on, go, go to your room, go to your room. Well, why? Just go. So that you could feel comfortable watching what you want to watch on TV or wanting what you want to see in a movie. Why do you have different guidelines for you and your kids? Because you can handle it and they can't? When my children were young, the rules were if we couldn't watch it together, we wouldn't see it. If we couldn't say certain words in our house, if whatever word I said, they could say. Didn't matter what the word was. If I said it or my husband said it, they could say it. Same rules. Same rules. Because see, just a little bit of poo affects your whole body. A little bit of poison goes a long way. Secondly, just because everyone does it doesn't make it right. Doesn't that sound just like a parent? Just because everybody jumps off the bridge, you're going to jump off the bridge? Just because everybody does it, does that, does that make it right? Well, in Romans 12, 2, and I'm reading it to you from the Message Bible, it says this, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Just because everyone is doing it doesn't make it right. Being in the majority doesn't make you right. Just like these young girls over here were showing drinking. Just because the majority was drinking doesn't make it right. When the 12 spies went to Canaan, 10 of them came back with a negative report. Only two of them came back with a positive one. 10 spies says, we can't do this. We'll never be able to take the Canaanites. They're too big. They, we look like grasshoppers. They're just giants. And the two, Joshua and Caleb, said, we could do this. We could do this. But who did the people listen to? They listened to the majority. And sometimes the majority is not always right. The people didn't trust the minority. Just because everyone else is doing something and feels that this is right, doesn't make it pleasing to God or right for us. The other day, I took my daughter-in-law, oh, who's here, matter of fact. Um, her and my grandchildren came up for the weekend. And uh, I took her to a purse party. I've been trying to witness to this woman for a couple of years. And 
So I, I keep that relationship. And so she invited me to a purse party. So me and Chella and the kids, we go to this purse party. And we're there, and probably within 10 minutes, um, the hostess came out, and she said, okay, we have, we have food, we have this, we have that, and I only have two things to drink, beer and water. <laughs> and so I was like, I leaned over to Chella, and I said, okay, we're going to stay here until I win a prize and drink our water, and we're out. <laughs> and wouldn't you know, within five minutes, I won a prize, we drank our water, and we were out. Now, everybody there, everybody, except me and Chella, said, let me have a beer. Let me have a beer. Give me a beer. All of them. We were the only ones that said, water. Now, just because they were the majority, would that make it right for me? No. Just because everybody else is doing it does not mean it's right for me because, see, culture is everywhere. It's in our workplace, it's in our homes, it's in our schools, and it's even here in our church. Those of you who have young children and you want to pick a daycare for your child, you will go from daycare to daycare to daycare, viewing the culture. How do they treat the kids? How do the kids learn? What is their schedule? Can you trust this daycare? What you are looking at is you're looking at culture. You're looking at how they do things. And as parents, we know that the environment that our children are surrounded with will be eventually how they behave and how they make decisions by. That's why we always look for the best schools. We always look for the best teachers. We always look for the best curriculum because we want the best influences for our children and our grandchildren. We know that when everyone else is doing negative, we don't want our kids around that because it could influence them. And that influence could pull our children and even ourselves down to their level so that no one will be able to see our light anymore. We have to be the salt and light. You don't have to be a part of the culture that you work with or that you go to school with or that you live with. You do not have to participate in that culture, the way they talk, the way they act, what they watch or what they listen to. Stand up for what your values are. Culture should not dictate to you what your decisions in life should be. We need to desire holiness in our life. What is holiness? Holiness is when our desires line up with God's desires. Holiness is when we desire to please God above our friends, above our family, above anybody else. What we do and what we can't do depends on pleasing God. Because, see, there, there's no list of can or can'ts in this church. There's no, when you walked in, you didn't see a whole list. Our nature tends to focus on all the things that we can't do. Okay, tell me what I can't do. We always do that. But true holiness is when we put God first and what he thinks of our behavior what he thinks of our talk. That has to be more important than anything or anyone else. That our convictions, the Holy Spirit tells us we should or should not be doing it. And that's why we need to be aware of when culture is transforming us. Because sometimes we got a little bit of poo and we don't even know it. Number three, just because I could 
doesn't mean I should. See, we have freedom in Christ. All of you have freedom. You have been given freedom. We have the freedom to speed on the freeway. We have the freedom to break the law. And guess what? We'll still go to heaven. But should we? Not if you want to get caught. Not if you want to get a big fat ticket. Probably not. Could I eat everything in sight and still be like a woman that we saw last night who was working on being the biggest woman? She's working hard. She's eating 20,000 calories a day, and when she sits on a chair, she overflows. She's like 700 pounds. She wants to work her way up to 1,600. She wants to be the heaviest person on record. Could we eat everything in sight? Could we be obese and still go to heaven? Yeah. But it wouldn't be wise. I don't think we should. Could we go into massive debt and live above our means and have stuff and still go to heaven? Yeah. Should we? Could I read Cosmopolitan and Marie Claire and for others, Maxim and all those other magazines who have half-naked people in their ads and still go to heaven? Sure. Should I? I don't think so. Could I watch soap operas and novellas and Desperate Housewives and Modern Family? where everyone is sleeping with everybody else's spouse and homosexual families are accepted and still go to heaven? Probably. But should I? Is any of those things beneficial for me? Is it going to build my character? I don't think so. 1 Corinthians 6.12 in your notes says, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. If you did everything that the enemy throws into you, like a little dart, hey, I, 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 I'll just take a, just one blast of weed. I'll just take one drink. I'll just... I'll just do this. I'll just do that. Nobody will even know. Well, yeah, no, nobody will know. But your character will show it. There are certain things that I can do. And there are certain things that you can do that they're not going to send you to hell. They really aren't. And those are the things that are permissible. You can do them. You can talk how you want, dress how you want, act how you want. Listen to whatever you want. Watch whatever you want. All of those things are permissible. You can do them. Now, don't leave here and say, man, pastor said I could do whatever I want. I'm going to take you back to the word of God. It says everything is permissible, but it's not always spiritually appropriate. What is the best thing for you to do? Sometimes there are people who have emotional affairs at their job. Maybe they're not getting the attention at home. Maybe they're not getting 
everything that they need from their spouse, but, oh, there's somebody at work. They pay attention to They always compliment when I get a haircut or, or when I change my hair. Or they, they always compliment when I wear something nice. They always tell me. They always notice. And you develop an, emotion, an emotional affair. Is it wrong? You be the judge. Is it the best thing for you to do? Does it build you up? Is it constructive? Is it going to add to your character? 1 Corinthians 10.23 on your notes says, All things are legitimate, permissible, and we are free to do anything we please, but not all things are helpful, expedient, profitable, and wholesome. All things are legitimate, but not all things are constructive, to character, and edifying to the spiritual life. See, our culture doesn't frown on a lot of things. It doesn't frown on premarital sex anymore. In fact, there's a young girl down, I was talking to her grandmother, and, and there's a young girl that's going to be getting married. And so she went to the doctor to, you know, uh, prepare for her marriage. And so the doctor started talking to her in, in, a, in a way that, the young girl said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I don't need all of that. I'm a virgin. And the doctor goes, what? Step back even, like what? Because she didn't get a lot of those today. How sad our culture is open to premarital sex. It is open to living together. It is okay in our culture to gamble. It's okay to be a glutton. It's okay to have major, major credit card debt. It's okay. Our culture puts a stamp of approval on all of the things that are, they're okay with. But does that mean that it's okay for us because our culture says it's okay? Is it okay to, to get hooked on prescription pills because the doctor says you need them? You need to have Xanax. You, you're depressed. You're oppressed. You're, you're, you're up. You're down. You're in. You're out. Here, you need this. And so our culture says it's okay. I was just watching um, Roger Ebert last night, and I know some of you might remember who he is. He's the thumbs up, thumbs down guy in the movies. And he was talking about how he got hooked to prescription drugs for years. And he had to actually kick. Now, did he go after those prescription drugs? No, the doctor gave them to him. But the doctors will keep on and keep on and keep on. They don't, they're not monitoring you. You have to be willing to say, you know what, stop. I'm not going to do this anymore. It is not beneficial. It is not spiritually good for me. I need to quit. Not everything is the best for us, even though it's permissible. We all know people, we all know places, we all know media that we cannot be around. Just cannot. We have weaknesses that we know that we cannot hang out with because the poison is there to attach itself to us. Until we learn how to say no, until we learn how to detach ourselves from those things, that we need to learn how to do this. Walk away. Run if you have to, but at least walk. Say, you know what, I'll catch you later. I'll be back. I'll see you in the rebound. I'll do whatever. Just walk away. Don't make a big thing. Oh, my gosh. 
you're sitting there and everybody else is bringing out the booze and you're like, no, it's okay, come on. And you know they're going to egg you, they're going to egg you, they're going to walk away. Say, you know what, I forgot I got to do something. I'm out. Walk away. Because when we are around our old culture, when we are around our old culture, and you know what your culture is, you begin to desire that old life. And then we find ourselves every week coming to church repenting because the culture around us was stronger than the Christ inside of us. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. We all remember what that old life did for us. It brought a lot of pain. It brought a lot of hurt. And we all know that we were doing 90 in a 35 mile. We were going nowhere and fast. Yet, when we're around our old culture, man, the enemy brings that double chocolate pie. And you're like, oh, man, that looks good. Man, that smells good. Let me have a taste. Oh, man, this is good. And they're like, yeah, come on. You want another piece? Yeah, and, and you're over here eating that double chocolate pie, having a good old time eating it. And all it does is bring toxin in your life. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. We cannot handle everything that comes our way. You cannot handle all the movies you watch. You cannot handle everything that comes out on the internet. You cannot handle different people because sometimes they will pull you down. Now, some of you may be strong enough. You say, you know what, I can handle this. I, I really can. But can the people that you're with 